The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's a fine line between, you know, drinking wine and squashing grapes, as we say in this business, and sometimes it's very subtle. Pretty much 20-20, all in 24 hours. I wish I can go back and change some things, but it's over with now. Big time learning experience, um, a lot to learn from. At this point in the year, you're playing for playing for your season, you know, and that's what we're playing for today. If you gave up five, six weeks ago, we don't even want you on our side. It's just that championship uh, swagger, as Tyron would say. I think we've all heard about the conversation about us not being enough good teams and, uh, you know, not responding and playing a complete game. And this was our response. Have a wonderful day because, you know, We're champions. <laughs> Keep it played at all times. God bless y'all. If you can't care enough, even in week 17, even when you're trash, when you're four and 11, if you can't care enough to go out there and give everything you've got and try your hardest, that's bull. Good afternoon. It's PFT PM, Shereen Williams and Mike Florio. And I love that minute of sound that we play before the show begins. And I have three quick observations today. Shereen, as I say, hello and Merry Christmas to anyone out there who hasn't heard us say Merry Christmas. We're back and here we go. First, the J.J. Watt speech. If you haven't seen the whole thing, go see it. It's awesome. It made me want to try to run into a wall and break all of my bones, which is what would happen if I ran into a wall. Second, Jamal Adams was lighting the wrong end of a cigar. Third, Shereen, was Ezekiel Elliott speaking directly to you? When he said, <laughs> if you gave up five or six weeks ago, we don't want you back. Yeah, I think so, Mike, because I gave up on him. <laughs> maybe I'm still giving up on him. I don't know. But maybe if I, a, a lot depends on whether Alex Smith plays or not, whether I'm giving up on him yet or not. Yeah, five and nine is not a bandwagon that you want to climb onto. Or no, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I don't want to sell them short. Six and nine. Excuse me. Six and nine are the Dallas Cowboys. If the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Washington football team all finish six and ten, the Giants become unofficially the worst playoff team in league history. And they just might beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in the wild card round, which uh, I am looking forward to. That's the only reason I'm kind of hoping it's the Giants, because I think Buccaneers at Giants, Brady against the Giants, the team that beat him twice in the Super Bowl, would be spectacular to see in the wild card round. And they played a close, tough game on a Monday night during the regular season. All right, let's get into it. Week 17 is looming. Our season, the season, and the NBC slate concludes on Sunday night with Washington at Philadelphia. It will be for the division title. If Washington wins, they're in. If Washington loses, the winner of the Giants-Cowboys game is in. And, Shireen, scale of 1 to 10, how stunned were you by the news today that the guy who started just yesterday for Washington at quarterback Dwayne Haskins has been cut by the team? Yeah, 10 or 11, Mike. I mean, you just don't see anything like this, right? One year into after they drafted him 15th overall, I, I was stunned. 
And I just didn't see this coming. Despite everything that's happened, it was stunning. Yeah, we have a thread that we exchange where all of the PFT writers say, well, I'm going to write this story. I'm going to get this story. That's how we keep from crossing streams, a la the Ghostbusters. And every once in a while, there's one that makes us all go wow. And that was one that made us go wow. And here's the statement from Coach Ron Rivera this afternoon. I met with Dwayne and informed him that we would be releasing him. I told him that I believe it benefits both parties that we go our separate ways. We want to thank Dwayne for his contributions these last two seasons and wish him well moving forward. I'm impressed that I was able to see all of that because I'm a little bit too old and my eyes aren't as good as they used to be, although I pass the test every time I go back for my driver's license, just so the record is clear. I do not need corrective lenses yet. Uh, it... it, it uh, you know, my understanding is that between what happened last week with the COVID-19 escapades, they fined him $40,000, Shereen. They took away his captaincy. But whatever went down yesterday, and I don't know that we're ever going to know this, but I think some stuff went down yesterday when he tried to skip out on the media obligations and they basically dragged him back in by his ear and made him do it. Like my mom used to drag me around by my ear and make me do things I didn't want to do. That something went down within the confines of all of that, I believe, that prompted them to say enough because he started the game yesterday. So something between the ending of the game or whenever he was benched in the game and today made them say, that's it. We're done. Take your 10 million plus. We've already paid you. And we may have to pay you another $4.2 million over the next two years in guaranteed salary. We don't care. Just get the hell out of here completely agree with you Mike and that was going to be my point I think something happened after that game at minimum he left the stadium very quickly after the game we do know that I mean that's basically verified because they couldn't they the PR couldn't get him right after the game he was gone he had left the stadium they called him he didn't answer his phone they finally got a hold of him and he did end up doing his media obligation which is required under the media access policy so he did end up doing it but something transpired there and even if it was as little as leaving the stadium you remember the one time Vince Young walked out with his jersey and his shoulder pads and everything else on and, and went home maybe it was something like that but whatever happened something transpired after that game that Washington said Enough is enough. We are absolutely done. We told you last week this was your last chance and you didn't take advantage of it. Yeah, and there's a story to be told out there and maybe someday we will have the information to fill in the gap, but something did go down and now he is gone and there could be a fight over this $4.2 million. I laid out what the Washington football team would need to say in the official paperwork to position itself to potentially, potentially avoid the $4.2 million. Remember the, and boy, it seems like a long time ago, the Earl Thomas case with the Ravens. Yeah. Guaranteed money isn't completely and totally guaranteed no matter what. It's guaranteed for skill, injury, and salary cap. You can cut someone for personal conduct detrimental to the team. There's a specific language, personal conduct adverse to the interest of the team's best interest, something like that. There's magic words that you say. And if you cut the player for that reason, if you can prove that's the reason, and that's just not, to, not a pretext for skill, injury, or cap, then you can argue the guarantee does not apply. And also, I looked at the language of his contract. They could argue that some of the stuff that's gone down over the past week invalidates the guarantee for the next $4.2 million. And look, it's $4.2 million. Even for a billionaire, it's $4.2 million. And we've learned 
recently, if we didn't already know, Daniel Snyder, the owner of the team, a little bit litigious. Why not say you'll get nothing and like it and force Dwayne Haskins to come try to get the money if they believe there's a basis for saying you did something wrong? And Shereen, the guys publicly apologized multiple times. That may be all they need to show that he did something he shouldn't have done. Why are you issuing all these apologies if you're not doing things you shouldn't have done? Yeah, I have no question that Dan Snyder likely will go after that money just based on other things that Dan Snyder has done. We know Dan Snyder is Dan Snyder, and this was his handpicked guy, Mike. He he wanted Dwayne Haskins and the coaching staff and scouting department, by all accounts, was not on board with this. And if you're not on board, if your coaching staff – now, this is a different coaching staff, I understand. But if your coaching staff and your scouting – staff isn't on board with the draft pick it's probably not going to work out we saw the same thing happen with Jamarcus Russell Al Davis handpicked guy we saw the same thing with Vince Young was but Adams handpicked guy it didn't work out for any of those guys especially at the quarterback position the coach and the staff have to be on board with that pick and obviously they were not on board and the new staff tried to tried to make this work and they couldn't make it work either yeah, and, uh, you know, th- there were the efforts by Ron Rivera early in the offseason when he got the job, and, and I thought it was a little bit of the effort to coax a greater level of commitment. And Dwayne Haskins reshaped his body. I saw pictures of him when he got to training camp. He looked nothing like he did last year. He was committed. He just wasn't any better. And he had a chance, and it didn't work. And some other thing happened to cause him to plummet all the way to number three on the depth chart and he was just done and then they needed him and he had a chance again and it didn't work and the strip club thing had to be the last straw and let's just get through the season and figure it out I think that was the decision that they made last week common sense would suggest they just said let's get through the season and then we'll figure out what we're going to do with this guy and they still could have Carried him on the roster this week, deactivate him for the game against the Eagles on Sunday night. If they make it to the playoffs, deactivate him for those games and then decide whether or not there's some sort of a trade market. And here's the reality, Shereen. One of the big Sunday splash stories for Week 16 was this notion that multiple franchises are doing their homework on Urban Meyer, the former Ohio State coach, who coached Dwayne Haskins. If he gets one of these jobs, maybe you could trade Dwayne Haskins to the Lions, the Jaguars, or wherever it is that Dwayne or that Urban Meyer is going to land. Although the Jaguars wouldn't make a whole lot of sense if he goes there because they're going to get Trevor Lawrence now. Congratulations, the tank worked. But but I am a little surprised at this stage of the season with just one game left. They didn't kick the can unless the the, the message was more important to be sent to the locker room. It's possible the guys in the locker room had enough. And this is the kind of thing that maybe galvanizes the team with a playoff play-in game coming up on Sunday night. Which is why you go back to something happening after that game, Mike, because it does make sense that they would try to trade him in the offseason, do what the Cardinals did with Josh Rosen, send him to Miami. At least you get something for him. They are getting nothing for Dwayne Haskins. And, you know, speaking of Urban Meyer, Ron Rivera called Urban Meyer before the year started and said, how do we get you know to this guy? And he said, He said, look, he only started 14 games in college. You have to be patient with him, but he responds to challenge. So that's what Ron Rivera tried to do. We remember in the offseason, he talked about Dwayne Haskins has got to be a better leader. I don't know if he's going to be our starting quarterback, all those things he said. And then after he was benched in week four, Haskins, 
Ron Rivera said we need to see better preparedness from this quarterback. We don't like the way he's preparing. Challenged him again. And every time they've challenged him, he has failed that challenge. So Urban Meyer probably is his best chance to get a second chance or a third chance or a fourth chance or whatever chance Dwayne Haskins is on in the NFL right now, Mike. And I really thought Dwayne Haskins was going to perform better. Now, he came into the NFL young. He left with two years remaining of eligibility in college, and it could be he's just a little bit raw. He's a little immature. Look, as my son has progressed through 2021, 20, and I've seen him grow and mature, and I've thought back to how he was a couple of years ago, I can see in a lot of these young NFL players the way he was. You're finding your way, and it's difficult. It's challenging. You throw – 10 million in guarantees, no, 14 million, but 10 million in cash over two seasons into their pockets, into their bank accounts. And it's, it's, it's a lot to process the stress and the pressure of being a starting quarterback, the social media criticism, it's relentless. So there's still room for Dwayne Haskins to grow. And I think he's got potential. He just needs to have an opportunity to grow in a setting where there isn't a sense of entitlement. Remember last week when we were having this conversation, I said it was a combination of immaturity, stupidity, and the entitlement that comes from having a guaranteed contract because the attitude is, what are you going to do, cut me? Well, yeah, we did. And yeah. this this isn't quite apples to apples. The old Chris Carter, Buddy Ryan, all he does is catch touchdowns and they cut him to give him the wake-up call that, that worked. It propelled him to the Hall of Fame in Minnesota. But this could be the thing that ultimately helps Dwayne Haskins career if he means it when he apologizes if this isn't just something that was written by a PR flunky and he was told tweet this from your account if he really means it if he really believes it maybe this is what he needs to turn it around humble himself go fight and compete and scratch and claw and wait for an opportunity and make the most of it when it comes your way he needs to become a student of the game he needs to become serious about learning the NFL way and maybe there's a chance for him to turn it around Shereen. Mike, he's got the apologies down. And it so much reminds me of Johnny Menzel. And you know I love Johnny Menzel. He did great things at Texas A&M. But every time he screwed up, he sounded so sincere. I'm going to take advantage of this second chance. You know, I've been given a second chance. I did wrong. I'm remorseful. I apologize. Dwayne Haskins has said those same words, and he's been convincing. I mean, I watched it last night after his uh, a game that was so bad. I watched him talk, and he sounded so convincing. I'm going to take advantage of this second chance, and, and he said it earlier in the week, and he said it earlier this season when he had a COVID violation. And every time he says it, he, he sounds like he means it, and then he has to say it again and again and again. And now we've heard it three or four times, and it's really losing its luster at this point, Mike. Yeah, and it makes me wonder, does he just not mean it, or can he not help it? And either way, look, he's young. The brain is still developing for people in their early 20s. He's not the man he's eventually going to be, and these experiences hopefully will help guide him toward becoming the man that he will be. He has the talent. That's undeniable. The question is, what do you do with it? And when and where can you find someone who will trust you with not a starting job for now, with a spot on the depth chart? And Urban Meyer may be the best ticket for Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins is sounding pretty good right now for the LA Rams, however. Not that they could get him <laughs> on board by Sunday because the COVID-19 protocols would suggest that he wouldn't be able to show up until just about time for kickoff. But even then, Dwayne Haskins may be a better option than John Walford from Wake Forest. All due respect to John Walford from Wake Forest. He was an AAF superstar 
if there were any. He uh, has never thrown a regular season pass in the NFL. He will be the quarterback if Jared Goff can't play on Sunday. And Goff has the dislocated thumb. We confirmed last night that there is a fracture. He's being evaluated by Dr. Stephen Shin. Kind of strange that a guy named Shin would be a thumb guy, but that's a different story altogether. Shin treated Breeze last year for his thumb issue that knocked him out for five weeks. The question is, what can Goff do? Can he forestall surgery? He'll have surgery after the season. He wants to play through it, yada, yada, yada. We'll see what happens. But without Jared Goff, I think the Rams are in trouble. Although, although I've already seen the groundswell from that, that pro Sean McVay media click where they're already saying, well, you know, it is McVeigh and this Walford guy, hey, he kind of likes him. He wouldn't be on the team if he didn't like him, and maybe this is a chance for McVeigh to show that he can do it with other quarterbacks. Good, prove it. And then it shows how wrong it was for you to have Jared Goff sign to a contract that pays him $33.5 million a year, Shereen. Yeah, that's exactly right, Mike. And all I know is the games they've lost, Goff has made really big mistakes that that have cost them. And, you know, maybe John Wolford comes in and doesn't make those mistakes, uh, but he's certainly not going to make those big plays either. I, this is a lot to ask for <clears throat> a guy who's never played in the NFL, but uh, I don't know what you do with Goff after this. I don't expect him to play Sunday. I don't know how you play with the, a broken thumb. I just don't see that happening if, if you could play with a broken thumb maybe the break's in a different point but I would have thought that Drew Brees would have been the guy to play through that and he he couldn't play through it so you know we'll see what the second opinion says about surgery we know he needs surgery but when he needs surgery and if he needs it now he's he's out for the year um, but golf's future very much is in doubt and this is a big chance now for John Wolford if he gets to play to come in and maybe prove that he can be the guy next year for the Rams. My guess would be, and I've yet to crunch the numbers and assess the cap charges and the other consequences, the Rams presumably in the same type of predicament that the Eagles are with Carson yes. Wentz. Still too early in the deal to do anything about the contract, too expensive to trade him, no one's going to want him, and it is amazing to me, 2015, I made this point last night on Twitter, 2015, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota picks one and two, their team's resisted signing them to long-term deals. They each got their full five years, four years of their base contract, plus a gigantic, it was like $20.5 million fifth-year option payment, and they walked away as free agents. One year later, Goff at one, Wentz at two. They both get second contracts after three years. And with Wentz, I get it. Because Wentz played really well. He was an MVP candidate in 2017, and then he's just lost it. It's unprecedented that an NFL quarterback that you assume, okay, you put him in the category of franchise guy, that he just loses it. With Goff, and I remember saying, summer of 2019, why are they going to pay Goff? Yeah, he took him to a Super Bowl, but Sean McVay's the reason. It's not Goff. They could find somebody else to do what Goff does. Maybe they'll be the team that says, no thanks, we're not going to pay you. And a bunch of these Jared Goff Rams fans went nuts. And the next thing you know, the Rams signed him. It's like, what are you doing? You know, I, I said this earlier today that if uh, – sorry about that – that that if um, you you would put $33.5 million on the table and say either Jared Goff or Sean McVay get it, Jared Goff is not the guy I'm giving it to. I'm giving it to Sean McVay. 
Yeah, no question, Mike. And, and let's go one step further in that draft. The team that should have signed the quarterback to a long-term deal after the third year was the Cowboys with Dak Prescott, and they didn't. And, and that, that contract was then compared to what Goff and what Wentz got. The Cowboys said, we're not paying that, and now they are where they are. So you had three teams completely screw up the contracts of the quarterbacks from that draft that year. It's just amazing to me that it worked out like that for those three teams. Yeah, uh, other news out of the NFC West as the Arizona Cardinals try to beat the Rams and get to the postseason. Obviously, their situation dire now after losing to the 49ers on Saturday. Cliff Kingsbury, the coach of the Cardinals, said that he is hopeful Kyler Murray will be able to play. He's got a lower leg injury, not quite as generic and vague as the hockey lower body upper body at least he's focused on a body part lower leg they clinch a playoff berth with a win over the rams and uh the rams can end up missing out altogether if they lose and the bears win although the problem for the bears is that they're playing the packers and the packers need that game to get the one seed. I, I, I think the Bears uh, very well may not make it. Although if the Rams win and the Bears lose, which means the Cardinals also lose, I think I heard Steve Kornacki say last night that right. the Bears right. would end up getting the spot because they have the tiebreaker. I think. I think. I don't know. That's and, right. Uh, it's there's right. so many of these permutations. And, thank you, and that is correct. Thank you. Uh, so many of these perm- permutations ricocheting around inside our brains sometimes you need to carry it around on a little note card like john gruden with note cards after a press conference uh one last thing shereem damon harrison snacks wanted cut by the seahawks has been cut by the seahawks waived today he'll be available to claim by anyone tomorrow after the trading deadline everybody goes through waivers Uh, again this is a this is a playoff move if anyone makes it because there's not enough time under the COVID protocols to get him ready to go for sunday it seems stupid to me, Mike. You're on a playoff team. You're one injury away from being a very important cog. Maybe you go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. I don't know. That It just doesn't seem like – I know you want to play, but this just doesn't seem like a very bright move to me. And you know what? Now that I think about it, and there's so many COVID protocol memos and rules and exceptions and regulations, for some reason, I'm thinking that they made a change recently where if you travel privately – from old team to new team, you don't need to sit out, which should have been the case all along. That's right. But uh, it could be, I guess, that someone would get Harrison this week, and it could be then that if the Rams want Dwayne Haskins for Sunday, they could get Dwayne Haskins for Sunday. But nobody's picking up that $4.2 million commitment for 2021 and 2022. All right, let's take a break. When we return, a little MPMQB. Plenty of coaching decisions that merit some harsh criticism. We will provide it. When PFTPM continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? 
Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, here we are. AFC playoff race. There are five teams. Four of them will get in. One of them will be kicked to the curb with a record of 10 and 6, possibly with a record of 11 and 5. If everyone wins, the Colts end up being out at 11 and 5. In a year when, number one, a 6 and 10 team may win the NFC East, and number two, an 8 and 8 team may get in as a wild card in the NFC. So that's seventh spot. Is it isn't saving someone with double digit wins, and it may screw someone with an eleven and five final record. Shireen, uh, we're breaking down the playoff picture by focusing on some ill fated decisions from this weekend. Let's begin with a decision that I think most of us at PFT are on board with as being critical of. A lot of people, though, have defended John Gruden for choosing to put the brakes on the offense close to the end zone with a minute or so left in the ill-fated game against the Miami Dolphins. Here's Gruden explaining why he played for a field goal and not a touchdown. Yeah, I have a regret because, you know, we lost the game on the most horrific play I've ever been associated with, you know. But, no, I mean, we study analytics. You know, people don't think we study analytics. The analytics say that was a, that was a great move. That's why analytics don't know anything either, Jerry. Um, but, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no. No, I don't have any regrets. You got 19 seconds left and no timeouts at the minus 25-yard line. And for us to not get off the field with a victory is uh, its a shame, it's a disgrace, and it's, it's, it's a reflection of me only. We got to do a lot better job than that. It's very easy to fall on the sword when the sword is guaranteed to never actually cut you, isn't it? I mean, pigs. Are, oh, I, I admire yes. John Gruden for taking the blame. Mark Davis isn't going to fire him. You take the blame for everything. Take the blame for anything. If nothing is actually going to happen to you by taking the blame, take all the blame. Take take every bit of blame out there. He's golden. He's safe. He's fine. Oh, it's all my fault. Yeah, because Mark Davis is never going to roll into John Gruden's office and say, "Pack up your stuff and get out of here." So that 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 has nothing to do with the decision. I just, I'm not going to fall into this camp of, oh, oh, it's very admirable for John Gruden to take the blame. Shireen, he, he's, this is, we, we went through this a week ago. He is in the best situation of any coach in the NFL. He can't be fired. He won't be fired, even if he does things that reasonably can be disputed, like, like going for a field goal when he should have gone for a touchdown. 
No question, Mike, and, and I'm not sure why people don't, other than you, question John Gruden more and some of the decisions he's made because they've been terrible. Uh, and that defense is awful, and he handpicks some of those guys that were on the defensive side that haven't produced for him, and he picked the coach who was the defensive coordinator until he was fired a couple weeks ago. So all those decisions that John Gruden has made have not worked out, and if he was on any other team in any other situation, he definitely would be on the hot seat, but because of where he is and how long his contract is and he won a Super Bowl, he's not going anywhere anytime soon, Mike. So the Raiders are where they are, and they're probably in the same spot next year and the year after. As to the decision, and look, I have no problem with Josh Jacobs taking the knee at at the one because there was a minute 50 left at the time. Right. But when there's 105 on the clock on third and goal and they have no timeouts, um, I say try to score the touchdown. You get the two-pointer. You're up seven. You can defend the end zone with what would have been, if you take it all the way down, the play clock all the way down, would have been about a minute. You got a minute. You defend the end zone. And I feel better about that than try to defend the field goal. Now, it took a fluke play. It took one of the craziest things we've ever seen. It took the the Linda Blair exorcist routine from Ryan Fitzpatrick as he's throwing <laughs> the ball, getting his head twisted around, and then the extra 15 yards on top of it to get in field goal range. But I, 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 I get that, but I'd still be more comfortable defending the end zone with a minute than defending roughly 35 or 40 yards with 20 seconds. Yeah, a couple observations, Mike. I get that the Raiders lost that game to the Chiefs when they left too much time on the clock on the Jason Witten touchdown. But you also have to remember that they were not playing Patrick Mahomes on Saturday. They were playing Ryan Fitzpatrick, the Miami Dolphins' backup quarterback. So he wasn't Patrick Mahomes. And to have him think that he's going to go down and deliver a touchdown with a minute or less on the clock probably is unrealistic. You can probably, unless you play cover zero like Greg Williams did, can defend the end zone. And the Raiders should have known that because they were on the other end of the cover zero play against the Jets when they won that game. So that's the first thing, Mike. But the second thing is, if you're John Gruden and you choose to do what you did, okay, you're going to have him take a knee. And I made this point on Twitter, and I think you called me Shereen Belichick. But if you're going to do that move, <laughs> you have every I wasn't being sarcastic. offensive lineman. I wasn't being sarcastic. <laughs> Well, you have every single offensive lineman, every single receiver, every single tight end, spread them out however you need to, to spread them out. You say you hold. Grab them, hold them, take them to the ground. I don't care what you do. Do not let them back to the quarterback. In the meantime, Derek Carr is backing up 10 yards, and he's standing there and maybe moving around a little bit. If the rush is coming from one side, you can go to the other side or whatever you want to do. But you're burning off probably another six, eight, ten seconds, whatever it is, and then you take the knee. Of course, flags are all over the place for holding. They're going to turn down the holding penalty because it's ten yards anyway. They want the ball back. Then you kick the field. Now, if your kicker can't make that short field goal, I realize he had missed the PAT earlier, but if he can't make that field goal ten yards farther back, he doesn't deserve to be kicking in the NFL. Daniel Carlson would have made that field goal ten yards back then there is less time for Miami to do what it did. So that was my problem 
if you're going to do what he did. But I would have scored the touchdown like you. It is much harder for Miami then to drive down, and even with more time, to drive down and score a touchdown than to get in field goal range. And they have, frankly, to, they have one of the best kickers in, in the NFL. I need to look this up, but I remember, and I think it was Chip Kelly with the 49ers, they were committing defensive holding over and over and over again down near the goal line. I remember that. And it was just half the distance, half the distance, half the distance, chewing up clock time while having them run a play, deliberately hold, there's less time, there's less time, there's less time. And and they ended up changing the rules on that. Um, And, of course, what they would have done with something like this, they would change the rules next year would make a difference. That's where Bill Belichick, and that's why I called you Shereen Belichick, it's understanding the rule book, understanding where the loopholes are, and understanding how to violate the spirit of the rule but not violate the rule itself in a way that will provoke a change to the rules. It's identifying those weaknesses in the rules that let you do something that will piss everyone off. Sorry, London, we're not on London today, so I can say it, piss everyone off, but help you get to your goal of winning the game. Now, The Dolphins got to their goal of winning the game because for the second time during the starting quarterback career of rookie Tua Tonga-Vailoa, who took over after Ryan Fitzpatrick was benched, Tonga-Vailoa during a game benched and in came Ryan Fitzpatrick and it worked. So now the question is, what should the Dolphins do? Brian Flores, the coach of the team, Shereen has already said, two is a starter. I think the leash is going to be shorter now. The more that you do the Fitz magic routine, the quicker you're going to have people on the sidelines looking at Flores saying, when are you putting in Fitzpatrick if Tua Tonga-Vailoa is struggling? And for Tonga-Vailoa, the challenge is not constantly looking over at the sideline after every mistake saying, when, when's, he going to be, when's he going to take me out? I, I credit Tonga-Vailoa for being sufficiently mentally tough to not crumble in the face of that. But I just don't – the thing that I love about this, it's great, it's different, it's fun – but it doesn't seem sustainable, does it? Well, you know, it works for them. And I think it works because of the two quarterbacks who are there. And I don't think it would work anywhere else. Ryan Fitzpatrick, like Nick Foles, to me, is not a starting quarterback. The Bucks thought they could do that with him over Jameis Winston. It didn't work out. They went back to Jameis. The Jets tried it. The Bills tried it. So many teams have tried it. The Texans tried it. That's why he is a journeyman quarterback. That's why he is best served as a backup quarterback. And he is in a great role. And he handles that role terrific. And Brian Flores almost apologized for calling him a relief pitcher, but I think that's exactly what he is. And I think he's a really good backup who I would want on my team any day of the week as my backup quarterback. I would not want Ryan Fitzpatrick on my team as a starting quarterback because he has proved year after year after year he cannot win enough games to get you to the playoffs as a starting quarterback. But he is really good in that role, and Tua seems to really be okay when Fitzpatrick comes in because of Ryan Fitzpatrick being Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I think this can work in Miami. I don't know that it can work anywhere else in the NFL, aside from maybe Chicago with Trubisky and possibly Foles, who've kind of sort of done that same thing this year, but the Bears tried to make... Uh, Nick, the starter, and it didn't work out for them. And now they're back to Trubisky and Foles is back where he belongs as the backup quarterback. But I do think this can work 
Mike, at least in the short term. And I said on Twitter after Saturday night, I would go sign Ryan Fitzpatrick right now and say, we want you back next year, whatever. Please come back and be our, our relief pitcher once again. I don't know if he'd do it or not, and he is getting up there in age, but I certainly would want him back. As long as everyone's on board with it. Brian Flores knows how to make it work. Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't complain when Tua is instantly installed as the starter again after each game where Fitzmatrick, uh, Fitzmatrick, Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic comes in and Tua's okay with it, then we're fine. We're fine. Um, but I, 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 I just, there's just this nagging feeling that it's not something that can sustain itself beyond this season. You can get away with it this season. It can't be the plan for 2021. You've got to believe in your guy. And the, the, the other thing about this, that I, and, and I credit Flores for just making it work. There's no one complaining about it. There's no schism in the locker. Remember that term when the Vikings acquired Brett Favre and there was a schism because there were guys who believed in Tavares Jackson until they saw Brett Favre practice one time. Then that schism was resolved. But there's no talk about anybody being not on board with, with any of this stuff. And, and that's a credit to Flores. And he knows that you can only use Fitzpatrick in certain doses. The Fitz magic disappears. He doesn't push it. If you go with him too often, he's eventually going to flip the other way. So uh, Flores, Flores gets it. And, and I, I like it. And, you know, next year it may be a different quarterback. It may be a different position. It may be a different dynamic. But Flores has a great instinct for his team. And I think that's the good news. The bad news is this, Shireen. And I want to see if you agree with me on this. If I'm a Dolphins fan and I tweeted this after the game, and I don't, I don't want to rain on their parade. It was a great night, even though they still may miss the playoffs. If I'm a Dolphins fan, I can't shake the feeling that we drafted the wrong guy and that they should have taken Justin Herbert. No question. Absolutely agree with you. I mean, you just compare what Justin Herbert has done compared to what Tua has done. There has to be that question right now. Maybe he works out. You know, they, the Dolphins have to hope he does. But I do think, sincerely, there is that doubt right now, and there's doubt within that organization that they picked the wrong guy because of what Herbert has done with the Chargers this year. He's been fantastic, probably one of the best rookie quarterbacks we've ever seen in history. And I think he's going to be an outstanding pro quarterback, an all-pro uh, perhaps, but for sure pro bowls are, are coming his way. And, and I don't see that with Tua yet. And maybe it's he hasn't played enough, whatever. But you remember Herbert came out in his first game and wasn't supposed to play that day because of the injury to Tyrod Taylor, the, the punctured lung, uh, that he got in there and he looked great in his first game with over 300 yards. So it didn't take him long to really adapt to the game like it's taken Tua. And look, the naysayers and or the Dolphins fans that would prefer to be blissful in their ignorance, not not that they're ignorant in, I don't mean that in a pejorative way, it's just serenity now, plug your ears I'm not listening. That kind of ignorance, deliberate ignoring what is going on. This idea that Herbert has this much greater array of weapons. And it's not about the weapons. It's about the guy. The guy is a better quarterback than Tua Tonga-Vailoa. And it hurts me to say it because Tua's spectacular. He's got a great personality. He's a great leader. He's got the potential to be special. But right out of the gates, Herbert's the guy. And if I'm a Dolphins fan... The thing that I wake up at night and worry about from time to time is we took the wrong guy. As we uh, as we put a, a button on this segment, let's pull up that graphic again of the teams to the left. Okay, it's time for us to go on the spot and say which of those teams, those teams with 10 wins, and there may be one with 11, who, Shireen, 
is not going to make it out of the Titans, the Colts, the Dolphins, the Ravens, or the Browns. Who is the butt that doesn't have a seat when the music stops playing? I think, unfortunately, it's the Browns, and and they've had a great season. But, I mean, if you can't beat the Jets, you probably don't deserve to go anyway, right? And I realize what they were working with or not working with in that game yesterday, but that was a huge, terrible loss. And and I don't see them beating Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh is going to take joy in keeping the Browns out of the playoffs, and I think they're going to do every possible thing they can to keep the Browns out of the playoffs, and I don't think any of the other scenarios are going to go their way. So I think the Browns are going to be the team that's going to be out. We'll get more clues tomorrow from Mike Tomlin, the coach of the Steelers, when he addresses the media. He does it every Tuesday right around noon. I think he's going to give his guys a break. They haven't had a true bye week this year. Week four was supposed to be their game against the Titans. Their bye was week seven. They prepared for the game, then didn't play it. It got bumped to week seven. Bye-bye to the bye week. Then they were going to get the mini-buy on the back end of the Thanksgiving game. They prepared for that. It got kicked forward six days. Bye-bye to the mini-buy. So they don't need this game. And I I, I haven't, and, and I don't care about the permutations two, three, and four and who you play and who you may not play in the wild card round. We'll, we'll sort all that out on Sunday. There's too many moving parts. But I, I don't, I don't, don't think that knocking the Browns out outweighs the the importance of of just trying to get your guys a game off to get some rest and to retool and get ready for what's coming in the wild card round, Shereen. Especially when you'd be going against a team that's playing the game like a playoff game. Well, and and I agree to that in some respects. Maybe they just play a half. I do think they play part of it. I think they need to play part of it. And I get it. They're tired. They've said they're tired. They're mentally tired. They're physically tired. But I also know that they have not looked like a good football team. Even yesterday in the first half, they didn't look good. And to me, you need those reps and you need to keep working and trying to figure out what went wrong. I think they play some. I would hope they would play some just to kind of get that rhythm going and keep it going from the second half yesterday. But maybe they don't. Maybe he, Tomlin thinks that that total rest is much better for a bunch of the starters, including Ben Roethlisberger. But how about that scenario, Mike? Could we see Mason Rudolph against Miles Garrett on Sunday? Oh, that would be exciting. Oh, wow. That exciting is one word that we can use on, <laughs> on this platform. There are many other words that we probably shouldn't use that Chris Sims would be inclined to use, but that would be something. I hadn't thought of that. I'm now rooting for Mason Rudolph and Miles Garrett. And they do have a smattering of fans there in Cleveland, too. They have about 10,000, 12,000 people at those games. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Let's take a break. When we return, you will hear from T.J. Watt, the Steelers linebacker, on what went right for the Steelers yesterday after they fell into a hole. Also, some Travis Kelsey and John Harbaugh from Sunday's postgame. More PFTPM right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Right after Sunday's games, had an opportunity to speak to three of the individuals from the winning teams. We we we, we never bother to ask. We rarely bother to ask from for people from the losing teams. You, you, you want to talk to the victors. That's one of the spoilers. You get bothered by me for five or ten minutes on the phone. I spoke to Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey, Steelers linebacker T.J. Watt, and Ravens coach John Harbaugh. Here are the highlights of those conversations, beginning with Kelsey. And I began the conversation by asking Travis what it meant to him to set the single-season receiving yardage record for tight ends. Those kind of accolades, the individual accolades, are something that you can hang your hat on when it's all said and done. And if you if you if you're lucky enough to to be in mentions with the guys getting gold jackets, but right now I'm just I'm just playing football, man. I'm more excited about being a part of you know a 14 and one Kansas City Chiefs team, the best record that the Chiefs have ever had, and uh, I'm trying to finish this thing off right and make it the best season uh, that the Chiefs have ever had. Uh-huh. I'm just very fortunate to be in this situation. Are you aware of the possibility you could be the first tight end to lead the league in receiving yards? Um, yeah, uh, guys like you guys, uh, keep mentioning it. Uh, but I, don't, I don't mind it. I think, it's, uh, I think it's, it's cool. I think it's great for the position, uh, a position that doesn't get enough love uh, in, in every offense. There's so many guys that could, uh, that could be doing a lot more in terms of receiving for their teams and just haven't gotten the trust or – um, I haven't been able to work that magic with that quarterback. Uh, but I'm just very thankful to be in this situation. And, uh, just trying to win football games, man. That's, that's, that's the bottom line. What does it say about the Chiefs that you guys keep taking the best punches that anyone can bring and you just keep finding ways to win? That's, that's, that's Sunday NFL football for you, man. Everybody's out here to, to, to have success, win football games. If you're not winning... Uh, you're not doing your job in the NFL, and that's uh, and that's the bottom line. It is what it is, and we just uh, we got great leadership. We got a great head coach. We have awesome, you know, offensive defense coordinators, defensive offensive defense coaches. And it's just been uh, an absolute pleasure to be able to work under them, grow under them, and uh, and then we just keep we just keep moving forward, knowing that last year we won the Super Bowl. This year we knew we were gonna have to re- rebuild this thing. And uh, that's what we're doing right now. It's hard to imagine you being any better than you are. Give me one tangible area where you want to improve. Um, well, I've, uh, I've, I've gotten open quite a bit, but there were a few, uh, there were a few routes today where I got locked up on. I, I, I look at those routes as if I was trash. I was, I'm a scrub. So I got to, you know, clean up the fundamentals, clean up the things that uh, I'm doing uh, throughout the week so that, you know, in those times and in those conditions, uh, pack and find the open. What's the thing that turns it around for you? To be honest, it's just trying to put together play, playing and playing out, and trying to put together a good series. 
And I think that comes from special teams uh, right out of the half, uh, putting together a good drive defensively. I know they, they scored, but home in the field going in the offense kind of being able to drive down the field and score a touchdown. Uh, at least get it down inside the 10-yard line and just try to continue to play off each other's momentum. Uh, it's very tough when there's no fans and all that stuff. and uh, There's a million excuses, but at the end of the day, we just got to play better football. Uh, we were able to dig deep and find a way to that. Is that something that, that you just can't get used to, not having a, having fans at the games, even after 15 games this year? I think so. It's, it's just such a weird energy. and you gotta you have to find your own energy personally and as a unit. It's, it's so important to continue to lift everybody up. Uh, everybody responds differently to um, momentum and to making big plays, but it's so important to keep the sidelines as involved as possible because we are our own energy. How is it that you guys have been able to just, you know, continue to support each other, even though at times one side of the ball maybe isn't holding up its end of the bargain? This is the professional football league. Making plays and, and scoring points and uh, making defensive splash plays is very, very tough. And it's very important to play complimentary football. And, of course, Tom always harps on complimentary football. And that's all we can do is control what we can control. And as a defensive player, I can't control what the offense is doing. Uh, so the best thing that I can do for me and my team is to play the best that I possibly can to try to make our defense as great as we can. Through all the crap you guys had to deal with last month with the COVID outbreak, what was the thing you learned about yourself as a coach? Um, you know, the biggest thing probably was just just patience. You know, more patience. I mean, you know that you know that that's important, but to to uh, to not overreact. Understand that there are there are many things out of your control. You know, I knew that. But this was kind of a stronger reminder that so many things are out of your control. And even, you know, there's always, coaches, we always want to fix everything right away. And to fix everything, there's got to be a problem, you know, to fix. You know, sometimes, you know, yeah, I mean, there's things we could do better with the protocols, and we've worked hard to fix those things. But it's not like, you know, there was no, there's nobody to blame. You know, people could have done better. But not to sit there and say, you're, it's your fault, and we're going to make you the scapegoat, or you're going to be here the problem. I think that that kind of mindset kind of carries over across the whole thing, you know. So if things don't go right, we all we all we all overcome it together, you know. And that's kind of what we tried to do through the whole COVID thing. We just try to all overcome it together, you know. And I don't know, maybe that's what I learned is just just be patient, you know. Everybody kind of pitch in and try to try to get through it together. And you're going to come out the other end. We always I tell the guys all the time. It's like really everything is just a, just a kind of a test and kind of a drama. You know, and really, if you want to think about it like this, the whole host of, of heaven just watching, you know, and it's really just to find out what you're made of. So it's really not what, what happens, it's how you handle what happens, you know. So in the end, you know, when the lights come on and everybody, all of a sudden you realize there's a, there's a crowd of onlookers looking, you want to be cowering in the corner, scared, pointing the finger, blaming somebody, shivering, or do you want to be, you want to be standing tall, fighting for your, with, you know, your back to back with your brothers, you know, and you want to be a hero or not. So choose to be a hero, you know, and. I don't know, it's just kind of metaphor kind of stuff, but I feel like our guys, you know, I think anybody kind of like, our guys respond to that pretty well. An idea that I've had recently, because, you know, the narrative going into the season is, oh, the Ravens are going to have another great regular season and get to, the, get to the playoffs, and then the question is going to be, can they win a playoff game? I feel like that's out the window now because you guys have just played four straight playoff games. you got a fifth playoff game coming up this week. Right. And, you know, the funny thing is, every one of these teams, except Jacksonville, has had come to play for it's not like it's not like been playing teams that have just been playing out the strength. I mean, the Giants, yeah, they're five and nine, but they're playing for a division championship. And they were all they were talking about how physical the game was going to be and how they were going to beat us up up front and all that kind of stuff. And they were. It was so chippy. I mean, after the play, every single play, pushing, shoving, 
all that. Now we got Cincinnati. They're hot. You know, they're on a roll. You know, they're not just playing out the string, obviously. They're going to be full of confidence. So it's like we, we've been playing, you know, teams that have had something to play for. You go back, obviously, with, you know, ever since Pittsburgh, Dallas, they, they had something to play for, too. How much do you use that Cincinnati game from a couple of years ago to keep your guys on the right track all week? You know what? I'll probably just kind of like allude to it. I doubt that I'll bring it up too much because I don't want them to get real tight. But I, I think I'll, I'll somehow find a way just to. I think my thing about it is, Mike, is like, I feel like these guys get it. Like, they've been. I haven't had to really say much. I mean, they say it. I kind of. What I've been doing is just letting them do the talking in team meetings. So, like, I kind of set the tone about what we need to do or, or you know, what, what the priorities are in the game. And, you know, kind of get them going a little bit. Then I'm giving them all the floor. Different every day, somebody gets the floor, especially on Saturday night. And they're all, they're just, they've been locked in. And you know, you know, by the way, they practice. I mean, they have been just completely locked in and determined. So I haven't really had to say much, which is nice. Time to answer a few questions as we wrap up today's edition of PFTPM. Let's begin with the first one from our good friend at A Red Zone Alk, who's been submitting great questions for years now to PFTPM and PFT Live. Is Jared Goff the Rams starting quarterback for next season? Shereen, I've looked up his contract, and as best I can tell, trading him would trigger a cap charge of $22.2 million for the Rams, which is far less than his cap number of next year, which is... The problem is you got to find somebody to take on a base salary of 25.3 that's fully guaranteed, a base salary of 10 million the next year, roster bonus of 15.5 million in 22 that becomes fully guaranteed or actually already is fully guaranteed. I mean, there's a huge financial commitment you would have to make to take Jared Goff. There's no one's going to touch that contract. No, absolutely not. I don't see anybody trading for him. I think he's on their roster next season. But just like Carson Wentz, he doesn't have to start, right? But the problem for the Rams is, unlike the Eagles, the Eagles have a starting quarterback perhaps in Jalen Hurts. The Rams don't. So unless they find somebody else, he's going to be their quarterback next year more than likely, Mike. Interesting to see what they do if they uh, ultimately decide to draft a quarterback. Real quickly, um, JTrain33, why do people give the Chiefs offense a pass for going AWOL for large stretches of games, whereas that is a constant criticism of the Packers this year? I don't think it's a constant criticism of the Packers. I, I, I think the Chiefs are constantly taking the best that everyone has to offer each and every week. And I think that it is something that they have managed to handle because they've won, Shireen. But I, look, they keep winning. And the Chiefs' offense is great. And in the playoffs, they're going to be excellent. All right, we're out of time. I'm surprised. That came up on me quickly. Sorry, Shereen. I hogged the last minute of the show. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll get to do it again. I don't know why. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. 
It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.